out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow underway on the Friday edition. Glad you're with us as we broadcast from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine and across the Outkick Network. It includes this great radio partner and on YouTube. We hope you subscribe to the Outkick channel while you're there. Catch all the shows as we go live and on demand anytime. Just search out Outkick and subscribe to the Outkick YouTube channel. Chad, big show today. Jim Lairitz, the three-time World Series champion, will join us. Yankees took three of four from Toronto, but the bigger headlines throughout the week in that series is, well, they're in a great division, and Judge was peeking over trying to get signs or something from the dugout earlier this week. And it ends with Herman getting a 10-game suspension for a sticky substance on the baseball. Jim Leavitt joins us to discuss all of that in 20 minutes. Dan Gillian is the attorney for the woman alleging that she was raped at a party at San Diego State University off campus where Matt Ariza, the punt god, the punter, was present and has since been cleared of any criminal wrongdoing. Uh, evidence not being brought forward by the district attorney or by San Diego State University. And we will speak with Dan Gillian about the civil case that is ongoing and why it continues to go on based on the information that's out there in public versus what he knows and what she is alleging. That's coming up today in a couple of hours. Uh, plus, Mary Catherine Hamm back on the show. Great conversation with her last week, Chad, about the the media's rush to get something first instead of get something right and how it can manufacture perception versus reality over a 24-hour news cycle. She'll join us right after our visit with Dan Gillian. Good afternoon. Mary Catherine was great with us last week when she came on. Look forward to talking to her about media members rooting for something, rooting mm. for a story to be true or a story to be false and how that can cloud a lot of judgment with how stories are covered. We'll talk to her about that and much more. Big show today, Hutton. Here is something that is true. The NBA playoffs continue to deliver. Last night, L.A. and Denver. The Nuggets up 2-0 now over the Lakers for a team that has been under the radar despite being a one seed in these playoffs. They're just better. And both teams are giving it everything. Jokic and then Jamal Murray in the fourth quarter with 23 points, nearly outscoring the, Lakers, the Lakers roster in the fourth quarter single-handedly. They're just better. The Lakers are extremely fun to watch, though. And their game. The question is, can they actually close out a game against Denver in what was an intense battle for game two? Credit where credit is due. LeBron James is tough as hell as an athlete and competitor. I mean, his foot has been injured in this series. You can tell when he's running up and down the court. He turns his ankle last night. He keeps going. They hit a three right after. He doesn't come out of the game. Uh, I mean, he, he can't shoot right now. You know, he's over from three, I think, for two games straight. He probably should shoot the outside shot less. But the fact that he's out there playing and giving it his all right now is admirable. Uh, he's trying to not let any pain show until he walks off that court. And last night, those uh, ESPN cameras were in his face on the walk off the court, and that death look that he gave the cameraman when he stopped I, him on the way off, you could just tell, like, dude, I, I felt like not the camera now, guy please. was trapped. Like, there was nowhere he couldn't to go. go around him. He kind of looked at him like, oh, man, come on. Are we, are we leaving? Are we not leaving? Let's, yeah, let's, let's get go. Off the court. Just kind of, please don't block me from getting <laughs> off the court. Because I noticed that the, the decision by ESPN to follow him off the court into the tunnel all the way to the locker room. You noticed in game one, I did, that he showed physical pain for the first time yeah. when he got to the tunnel and he, he 
moaned or groaned or something as he opened the door to the locker room to get off the court. But the fact that he is soldiering on and trying not to show pain, I I give full credit to LeBron LeBron James. He gets criticized for a lot, and rightfully so, but can't criticize his play, can't Mm. criticize uh, his level of toughness on the court and how he, he guts through these things. That's been impressive. And they've held the lead. Yeah, but last they've night had chances. Jamal Murray hit a three to give the Nuggets a lead in the fourth, and they never looked back with like seven and a half minutes left. And the question is, are they done? Are are the Lakers done as they head back to Los Angeles down 0-2 to the Nuggets? But I mean, this feels a lot like um, the the series that went back and forth with the Warriors. That the Lakers can catch fire here and return serve. But Chad, they, they're not done. They're, I don't feel they are either. Yeah, they, all, all the Nuggets just did was hold serve. Yeah, right. I mean, they, they still they got to go to L.A. and the Lakers will have an advantage there. Uh, the, my big question is the health of LeBron the James. Um, Anthony Davis can't do it all on his own. The, the Lakers have some good players around them, but they're going to need more role players to step up if they're going to beat this Nuggets team. The Nuggets are clearly better, but this series is not over. And something that I really admired about the end of that game last night, and anyone that was watching that fourth quarter, this is a testament to both teams and what NBA playoff basketball should be. I thought multiple times that one of the two teams were going to start throwing up. They were so exhausted at the end of the game. LeBron James, hands on his knees, fully exhausted. There was a point where Nikola Jokic just sort of slowly inbounded the ball and let it bounce a couple times because you could tell they were going so hard on offense and defense that the Nuggets needed about five seconds to take a breath and walk in that game. I want to see more of that. This is what I love. Show me a game with high stakes in any sport, but especially in the NBA playoffs where at the end of the game, guys are so exhausted they can't talk trash. There's no extracurricular because there's nothing they can physically do outside of the basketball game because they are so tired. Jamal Murray could barely make it through his post-game interview. He was so out of breath. This is a small thing to many, and some people may watch and think, well, of course they're tired You know, after the game. That's not always the case. This level of exhaustion and this much given up over the course of a game, I absolutely love to see it. And this is why the NBA may be, after all, gaining some fans back. Because, once again, it's about the basketball. It's not, a, it's not about who's kneeling for the anthem or what autobiography LeBron James is reading. It is about the games and the fun stuff around the games with trash talk, right. with owners getting into it with star players, all of that stuff. All the tides are rising right now for the NBA. Can they continue to take advantage of this? Well, and now, I mean, you've got game two coming up tonight with, with Boston and Miami with the Heat holding a, a one-game lead. They've lost the two previous series in game two after holding a one-game series lead. They're building stars in that regard. And, Chad, with LeBron on the floor, eyeballs will be tuned in. And it's a, you're right, it's about the product. And Nikola Jokic, excellent. He's not dominating the game in the same way last night, but he's... Power, power on the rebounds and assists. You know, he, he's constantly involved in everything Denver does. And then Jamal Murray, who was shooting like LeBron James, honestly, throughout the first three quarters of the game, caught fire in the fourth quarter. He's another budding star. And normally I would point to, oh, that's Denver and the altitude, right? Playing a factor on why they're so tired. But, I, I mean, Murray has played there all season. 
you know, he's acclimated to some degree. They're bragging about the altitude at the free throw line where it's embedded in their floor. Uh, same while they do it mile high. You normally see guys gassed on the road, not at home. So I'm with you, Chad. It was, it was fun to watch, and it's a product that I've been longing for from the NBA. Screw the politics. Let's get back into the sport of basketball. Let's get back to business. Uh, Jay Wayne on the YouTube chat says, LOL, what? LeBron James is the softest athlete of his generation <laughs> and possibly all time. Come on, Chad. Also, the Nuggets go up 2 nothing, and you start off talking about LeBron. Well, we're talking about the series and talking about other things also. Um, LeBron James flops a lot. He flopped last night at one point also. But I- I'll say this. For those calling the man soft, look at what he's playing through right now and how he's not leaving the game. And I love Michael Jordan. I am a Michael Jordan absolutist as the greatest of all time and better than LeBron James. Michael Jordan would stab his grandmother to win an NBA playoff game, okay? You know what else Michael Jordan would do if it was part of the game? Flop to win an NBA playoff game. LeBron James is simply a byproduct of flopping around basketball that is rewarded. They're trying to get away from that. They are. But it's still something that happens too often. What didn't happen in the 90s when Jordan played and dominated was a lot of flopping. But if that was a part of the game, and Michael Jordan thought that he could win an NBA playoff game on the road because Nikola Jokic extended his arm and he knew the ref could be on his side if he exaggerated falling to the ground to get possession and win a game, Michael Jordan would have done that because Michael Jordan did whatever it took to win a game. I love something Jeff Van Gundy said last night during the broadcast. He said, if you truly care about winning, you don't care about the conditions of winning. That is fantastic. And it is 100% true. If you were all in on winning, you don't care if that means you score 20 or zero, you get 20 rebounds or five, it means you got to get all the assists that night. You care about winning, period. I saw two teams last night, Hutton, that cared about winning, period, in that game, and I loved it. The Lakers, though, need more from Anthony Davis on a consistent basis. Four of 15, had four big turnovers in this game. They've got, after posting what was uh, a stat line that we haven't seen in a long time in the NBA in game one, he turns around and only produces 18 points. They need more from him to lead the way. It cannot be LeBron. It's got to be AD. And that's how they've got to compete against Jokic because they're running a bunch of different guys at him on the defensive end. And when it's not AD on Jokic, Anthony Davis has to come through on the offensive end. Chad, another absolute that we see is the overreaction to this time of year where rookie quarterbacks get into OTAs, they join their team for the first time, and media gets a glimpse of what these guys are doing, and then social media goes crazy. Two examples, the first being Bryce Young and how small he is. Let me tell a a secret here about OTAs. Bryce Young is the exact height and weight that you think he was playing at Alabama and playing at, uh, for the NFL Combine, weighing in and, and getting measured at the NFL Combine. He, he's tiny compared to other quarterbacks in the league. And this, is when, this has gone viral with just how small he looks behind the Panthers' offensive line, where at one point you can't see him as he's faking a handoff and throwing a pass. And he's standing behind his offensive line as it cut off there. It's a really bad it's, angle for him, too. It, well, it was a really bad angle, angle where the thing was shot. The angles were there at Alabama, Chad, yeah. is my point. This is nothing new, but the overreaction of, oh, look how tiny Bryce Young is, as if it's some like new revelation that has just popped breaking news. 
No, he's still deserving of being the number one overall pick. We saw what he did in college. And while the height and weight played a factor in every debate going, he was the unanimous, surefire, number one pick based on the position he plays and the quarterbacks that were available in his draft. This is not a major headline. It's just a cool-it moment. Don't overreact until there's time for overreaction when we get to the season. Number two is Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett ends up being a draft pick of the Los Angeles Rams, and he's throwing bombs against air down the sideline in Los Angeles for their OTAs. And you would think this guy is like trick shot on his knees from like the 30-yard line throwing 70-yard bombs down the field and hitting the goalpost. Not the case. Stetson Bennett is the same quarterback we saw at Georgia that you're seeing in these highlight reels that are very brief snapshots of what we get from these NFL practices nowadays. Stop the overreaction to the quarterbacks. Even though Stetson Bennett in the trajectory that he's on, he will eventually win a Super Bowl for the Los Angeles Rams and retire, go get a, a degree from Georgia, and then give the suck it sign, DX style, to all of us who doubted him. Because everyone has... And I continue to doubt the fact that he's an NFL quarterback. But here's Stetson Bennett with Sean McVay, the prince of the NFL coaching right now. And we look around and go, man, Stetson Bennett's got a shot because he's there with Sean McVay. Rather than just saying, hey, this is the same quarterback we saw at Georgia and the same quarterback that even Georgia didn't want just prior to when he went on the two-game winning streak and won the SEC championship Whenever they lost to Alabama in the SEC championship game before the first title, there was debate on whether or not he should even be the starting quarterback. And now all of a sudden, he's the heir apparent to Joe Montana. He's just playing for the Los Angeles Rams. And it's Stetson Bennett throwing bombs down the sideline against air. Let's just cool it for a moment with the highlight reels. Well said, Hutton. And if you remember, 2021 season, we were on the road with OutKick at the Alabama-LSU game. And we were on the sideline before the game. And you and I both turned to each other looking at Bryce Young and said, man, he's a lot smaller than I expected. He is. And it's not just a height thing. It is a jarring... And it's part of what makes him so great is that he plays the game like an NBA point guard with a little bit of no look to it and last-second decision that's the right one. He's smaller than point guards, though. Yeah, (laughs) but he's got the frame of a point guard, right? He's got a basketball, wiry-type build. And the other thing that I noticed about that Alabama sideline when they were warming up is... They had some absolute manimals on the offensive line that were enormous. Yep. And he looked really small next to those guys. To your point, much like he looks very small next to NFL offensive linemen. But let's not act like Alabama doesn't also have NFL-sized offensive linemen that he was playing behind. It does look like a child so we've seen behind that before. the offensive line. Yeah, it, he, it was jarring in that one because I think some of it is the distance they are away from it and the angle probably makes it look worse than if you were right up on top of them. Yeah. He's going to look small compared to those guys either way, <laughs> but is. it was almost an optical illusion looking at where it looked like a little boy playing with grown <laughs> men behind that offensive line. It was not a great look for Bryce Young, but what will be a good look is the way he's going to be able to use his arm talent in the NFL, and I think he's going to be great. Matt Ariza was supposed to be great. He was deemed the punt god coming into the NFL, drafted by the Buffalo Bills, but then soon after cut because allegations surfaced based on a rape allegation, gang rape allegation from San Diego State University from 2021. This came to light in the fall of 2022, and then the Bills released him. And since then, no criminal charges have been brought 
his way. In fact, the DA said this last December that they didn't have enough evidence to prove one way or the other to take it to trial that they could find a conviction based on the reasonable doubt that's out there. Meanwhile, uh, since then, video has surfaced, reports have surfaced that there is those that were in, were in the room that are on video, because Arise is apparently not in the room, were on video. They also are not going to face criminal charges based on the evidence that's in that video, again, according to reports. Well, Matt Ariza joined Tommy Lahren yesterday on Tommy Lahren is Fearless here on the Outkick Network and said, while he holds nothing against the Buffalo Bills, he's certainly not going to just take a, a payment and accept some type of agreement where he's saying that instead he would rather hold those accountable for lying and faking accusations instead of settling on these accusations. There's a lot of people that say, hey, listen, you could settle this, the civil case for about 50 grand, probably cost you a heck of a lot less than you're spending on attorney's fees at this moment and in the past. So why not just settle and make all this go away? Like you previously said, the damage has been done. And if I was to settle, that would waive my right to countership. So at this point, we're the heavy favorite and continuing this any longer is going to be very damaging for them. So I, I'm not willing to settle. There's Matt Ariza, a portion of that interview there with Tommy from yesterday on Outkick. Dan Gillian will join us. He's the attorney for Jane Doe, the woman that's making these accusations that says she's correct in her version of this story from the civil side. We'll get Dan Gillian's response to what Matt Ariza had to say and ask him exactly what they're after based on the evidence that we can at least read and hear about right now off of that case. Good for Matt Ariza. If I was in his shoes, I would not settle either. If they didn't press criminal charges against you after a 124-day investigation and there's some sort of proof that you weren't even there, there's no chance I would settle either. So I completely agree with his stance on that one. But we'll get to the bottom of it and ask the accuser's attorney questions about the case from her perspective coming up later in the show. Sign stealing, sticky substances, and the best hitters in baseball. We'll discuss that coming up with Jim Layritz. This is Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network rolls on. Some sad news to relay as we welcome you back. According to the Associated Press, Pro Football Hall of Famer and running back considered to be the greatest player to ever play the game, Jim Brown has passed away at the age of 87. A spokeswoman for Brown's family said he passed away peacefully in his L.A. home late last night with his wife by his side. Uh, one of the greatest players in pro football history, Jim Brown, up dead at the age of 87. We will certainly dive into that legacy uh, throughout today's show. Uh, Chad, one of our uh, favorite guests back with us. One of the best talking baseball. Jim Layeritz joins us. Big A busy week for the New York Yankees, Jim, uh, with taking three of four from Toronto and what has been a fantastic start for the entire division. Uh, meanwhile, you've got Judge looking over at something, signs or you know, talk and chatter and people chirping, and then he crushes a homer in the eighth inning to Herman getting thrown out of the game for sticky substances and 
Uh, the tack on the baseball is too sticky, according to the umpire. Ten-game suspension there. And all the while, they get three or four from Toronto. So uh, just, a, just another week, another series for the Yankees. Yeah, another dull weekend in Toronto. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it's interesting, Some of all these things that are happening. I, I watched we'll, – we'll talk about Jermon first, but, you know, the situation with Scherzer with the Mets and now with Jermon. And they're not using – the spider tack, they're not using the stuff that's illegal. They're using what's being told by them from Major League Baseball to use. How this is happening is is, is the big question mark. And uh, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't think, especially Jermon, who with this same crew was caught the last outing that he had, why would he be doing it again So and be that blatantly obvious? I don't think he's that stupid. I just think... They've got to figure out what's going on where this rosin or maybe the clubhouse people are, are making the rosin different now to make it stick here. Who knows? But uh, it's definitely going to be a problem. Well, I don't know the protocol. I, I, I know it's crew to crew and umpire to umpire, and it's on their discretion on what is too sticky, right? Um, right. I, and it's, it's, I just don't understand how it can be that minute of a detail for one person to figure out Okay, this is, but if he starts one game later with a different crew and a different series begins, maybe it's not deemed too tacky for that umpire's liking. Yeah, I mean, again, is it, if it's not something besides rosin, or I mean, if it is something besides rosin, then yes, it could be considered elite, but they're allowing these guys to use the rosin. How can this, like, how can they be suspended for that? And again, I don't understand it. Um, I'm not in Buck, with Buck Showalter in the clubhouse. I'm not in there with Aaron Boone. Um, if it was my player and it was rosin and it was truly that's all it was, I wouldn't be accepting a 10-game suspension for my player. So that's kind of where I kind of wonder what's going on. We know there's a book out on umpires about most most everything amongst clubs, amongst players. Is there a book out on umpiring crews and how they judge sticky substance? And if there isn't one already, should there be one with teams to know which crews allow what and where you really got to watch yourself from game to game? Yeah, I mean, that, that's something new that we may have to put it back into the game. Or maybe they just have to outlaw rosin. I mean, you know, they, they outlawed the pine tar. Now that the rosin might be the next thing to go. Um you just wonder from a scientific point, because the way I sweat, is it different than the way Matt Scherzer sweats? Is it different than the way Jermon sweats? Is it something in their chemical balance that makes it more sticky, even though it's the same substance that all the other pitchers are using? You know, that's something that they may have to look into. All right, Jim, do you buy Aaron Judge that he was looking over at the dugout because someone was chirping? Or do you think that he was looking back, trying to glance to see where the catcher was setting up? You know, it depends on what articles you read in the paper. Um, the, the one I I saw a couple of them, and one of them said that they did have the guy's pitches, um, and the first base coach was signaling them, which was not illegal. It's not against the rules. And it was something that they picked up that the actual pitcher was doing, not a video camera, not a center field camera. It was literally what he was doing on the mound. And the kid, that pitcher, even admitted that he found out 
that he was tipping his pitches. So for me, that's just good gamesmanship. That's not, you know, cheating. Uh, At the same time, yes, you would rather have Judge come out and go, you know, you know what, we had his pitches and we were were relaying them instead of chirping at the dugout or doing something like that. That's, you know, to me, that's where it gets a little muddy. How easy is it, Jim Lairitz joins us on Hot Mike, how easy is it to pick up on pitchers tipping pitches, Jim? Oh, it's it's really that's that was one of my specialties because I wasn't in the lineup all the time. My job was to basically sit and watch the pitcher and pick up how he tip pitches. And, and to be honest with you, probably sixty to sixty five percent of the pitchers back in my day were tipping. Um, you know, Kevin Brown was my teammate in San Diego, and he came to me one day and he said, "Can you watch me throw and tell me what you see?" And I said, yeah. So I watched him, and sure enough, every time on his split, he would dig in. You could you could see him dig in for the for the grip. And I picked it up right away, and I said, this is why they're killing you because they can see it coming. And he goes, well, I can't I can't change it. It's just I, I'm comfortable. I said, here's what you do: you go in there for the forkball grip, and you throw a fastball up and in, and they won't they won't guess anymore. You know, if you can't break a habit then you got to do something that, you know, changes that these guys can rely on. And, you know, it, again, if you're, if you, if you put your glove too flat and you usually throw a curveball, you know what, one time put your glove fat, flat and throw a fastball and it will, these guys won't be able to tip pitches. They won't be able to give your pitches away because now you've changed things up a little bit. How often would, uh, would you either do it or notice guys looking back at catcher to see their positioning and it, how often would it get obvious with players that someone was gl- glancing back, not, not necessarily trying to see, you know, this is before pitch comms, obviously trying to see the sign, but trying to see where you were setting up. Yeah. Location and location was usually what, what they did back in our day. We weren't getting the pitches. Um, we were getting location and sometimes it was the hitter trying to look back. Sometimes it was a guy at second base trying to give, like he, if he would take one step to his left, that was away. One step to his right, that was inside. There was there certain ways that guys would tip off. The Cleveland Indians bullpen used to cross their legs according to which where the catcher was setting up. So there was all different ways to play this gamesmanship. And it was really up to the catcher to kind of try to figure this out. And the way we used to handle it, I remember Chris Hoyles was playing for the Baltimore Orioles, and he was looking back. And I called him one time and I said, hey, unless you want one in the ribs, I quit doing that. And after that, it stopped. Uh, you know, that was just the way we handled things. Sometimes I'd go out to the mound and I would yell at the guy at second base and go, hey, you're going to get your buddy hit because I know what you're doing. Clean it up. And then I'd go back to the you know, back to the batter and go, hey, I'm going to watch your boy. If he's still tipping pitches, guess what? I'm going to go ahead and hit you. You know, that's the way we kind of handled things back then. And obviously, if Aaron Judge has the pitcher and they, they know that he's tipping pitches, even in an interview, you don't want to let on that you know for the chance you face him again. So how much credit should we be giving Aaron Judge for being so quick on his feet that he came up with that reason so quickly? You could tell he's kind of thinking about it as he asked the reporter, when are you talking about again? And then he goes yeah. into the explanation, oh, I'm just looking at the dugout because guys were chirping after my manager got ejected. I, I, shouldn't we give him credit for that, Jim, for being able to come up with an excuse yeah. that quick? 
I think that does deserve some credit. I mean, uh, yeah, it was a situation where, you know, he was thinking quick on his feet. And again, again, this was not cheating. This was part of the game. This is part of the gamesmanship of baseball. You know, Buck Showalter, my old manager, now the manager of the Mets, was one of the greatest at picking up third base coach signals. And he would know when to pitch out when a guy was stealing. He would know when to pitch out on a hit and run. He knew all these things because that was one of his specialties. And, uh, you know, that's just part of the game. And that's, uh, like I said, that's that's not the high-tech cheating that we talked about with the Astros. Jim Lair, it's our guest. Jim, based on where Aaron Judge finished off last season, how would you compare the way he's been at the plate this year to last year? I, I think he's been great. I think he's been, you know, besides the slide into third base, everything he's done this year has been pretty good. Um, you know, he's cut down on the strikeouts. Um, he's... he's I not I don't know it for sure because I haven't seen him play enough, um, but I think he's taken a different approach with two strikes than he did before. Uh, but in again, what way? As far as a lot of times, big hitters like that will shorten up a little bit. I, I know they were talking in spring training about he was he was thinking about a different two strike approach. I haven't watched like, again. I haven't watched him enough to know if he's using it or not. But he had spoke about it in spring training uh, where he wouldn't. He wouldn't lift his leg as high and he'd be a little bit quicker just to try to put the ball in play and cut down on those strikeouts. And like I said, for what he's done this season, for not having Stanton in the lineup to protect him, uh, I, I think he's had a pretty good season so far. Where we are in the standings in mid-May, for what you've seen in the AL East, is it as best as it's been in, in years? And, and do you think oh. this continues at this pace? It, it's It's scary how similar – the division is one through four. And, and even, like I said, even the Red Sox, because who are, you know, that down there, the parity in that American League East is unbelievable. And you're going to have a team, my guess, with 86 to 90 wins that wins that division, uh, that no one's going to run away with it because these guys, they're going to beat up on each other all year long because the parity between those teams. Is so great. And I really think it's going to come down to the health of whatever team stays healthier is a team that's going to be the one to beat in that division. And not the AL East, but the NL East is supposed to be a three-team division with Atlanta, the Mets, and the Phillies. Uh, of the two that came out of the gate slow, the Mets and the Phillies, which one are you more concerned about right now, Jim? Well, listen, I'm a Walter fan. Uh, I, I want the Mets to do good. You know, I'm living in New York during the summer, working for the Yankees and doing some other things. Um, I want New York sports to be great. And New York sports is great when there's two teams doing well. And of course, when they play each other, I'm rooting for the Yankees. But I'm rooting for the Mets to do well also. And uh, for Buck Showalter to, to get an opportunity over there to, to get a little further in the postseason this year than they did last. Um, so I would root for the Mets before the Phillies. Even though Rob Thompson was an old coach in the minor leagues for me, uh, I'm, I'm rooting for the Mets more than the Phillies. Jim Layritz has been our guest three-time World Series champion. He always brings it, and uh, we certainly appreciate the insight, Jim. I uh, had to get your take on the, the sign stealing, which we agree with you. It's not cheating if you can figure it out, if you're doing it the way the old-school way was, not the Astros way, right? Like that, There's a big exactly. difference there. But when you're peeking over, I'm thinking, well, guys are chirping all the time, and I don't see guys right before the pitch looking at the dugout multiple times it was comical and then he crushed the homer in the middle of the broadcast as they're pointing it out 
if he grounds out to shortstop, it's probably not a headline. Exactly. Exactly. That that and that's very true. I mean, if Altuve didn't hit the home run, it, it wouldn't have been that probably that noticeable. But uh, he did. A quick follow up question just came to my mind. What do you think about if a TV crew or someone from the truck or someone from the clubs watching on TV and sees a player doing that, and they call their own team and tell the Blue Jays dugout, uh. "Hey, they I think they've got your pitches because we've seen them look over a number of times." Is that above board? Or is that using video in a way you shouldn't? Well, yeah, I guess if they're associated with the team. Yeah. Um, Because it was the Blue Jays broadcast team that brought it up, right? They're the ones who showed it. I wonder if someone could go and say, hey, you need to get into the clubhouse and say, they've got something on the pitcher tonight because we see some stuff going on with their eyes. I can tell you that it happened to us in Baltimore with Tim Leary. Tim Leary was one of our pitchers, and he was using – uh, a sandpaper and he had it on my finger and you could see him. I didn't see him. I, you know, I was in the, on the dugout, but they saw him using this in the broadcast and they related to the dugout and they came out and checked them out. I think that's, you know, is that fair? I don't, honestly, I don't know what the major league rule for that is. I love it. Um, I know myself. I've sat behind home plate before in Yankee stadium when Kevin Long used to be the hitting coach and Within three or four innings, if I saw a guy tipping pitches, I could relay it to him. You know, it, 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 that to me is not against the rules. Um, you know, but but it, it really depends. I, I do remember when I was at the Los Angeles Dodgers and uh, Sean Green was one of our players. And I came over to play with them and I was telling the pitchers on the Dodgers how they were tipping their pitches. And Sean Green's like, no, don't tell them. <laughs> You know, I don't want to. I want to have to change the book on them. So, everybody's different according to uh, on whether you you should relay what the pitcher's doing or whether you should. I'd rather find out, have a kid find out, especially a young pitcher uh, who doesn't know he's doing that. Give him the give him the ability to find that out early, so he doesn't lose confidence in himself. And Jim, I'm sure there are times where it doesn't matter if the pitcher's tipping pitches; they're just that good. That they're going to get their pitch Randy Johnson. Yes. Randy Johnson tipped every single pitch. And he knew it. And he didn't care. You know. With the glove open versus closed. Is that what it was? Exactly. Glove closed, glove open. Yeah. And listen, the guy's in the Hall of Fame. You got to be pretty good. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, Jim, thank you as always, man. We love having you on. All right, guys. Always a pleasure. Love my Nashville. Appreciate Thanks, you. Jim. Jim Layritz has been our guest. Uh, love the insight there. And, yeah, Randy Johnson, fastball, squeezing the glove tight, which was, you know, 90% of the time anyway. Yeah. Change up, gloves open. Didn't, Didn't matter. matter. Did not, Didn't matter. Did not matter. The man killed a bird one time <laughs> with a ball. So it doesn't matter, matter for a guy either. to kill a bird. He tipped that pitch too, I'm sure. Yep. Coming up, we get weird, uh, including uh, the world's worst bank robber. Davey Hudson's got details next on Hot Mike. Hot Mike with Hunting Withrow rolls on. Again, all-time NFL great running back Jim Brown has passed away today at the age of 87. We will uh, give our thoughts on that coming up in a matter of minutes, about 10 minutes or so. And um, Chad, he's one of, the, one of the greats. In fact, many, many point to him as the greatest football player of all time. 
period, regardless of position, pound for pound, what, 6'2", 230, never missed a game in his career, eight-time All-Pro, led the league in rushing eight different times throughout his career, left the game at age of 30, um, an all-timer. Paul Horning once said, hey, I'll take Jim Brown over anyone at anything. That's how great he was. Great lacrosse player at Syracuse also. Yeah, and some, some consider him the greatest college lacrosse player in history. Yeah, he's got kind of a uh, Jim Thorpe level yeah. of mythology around him as one of the greatest athletes of all time. Major activist as well. He was a movie star at one point. Um, I, one of the more intimidating people I've ever met yeah. in an interview setting was looking into the eyes of Jim Brown. I mean that from a respect standpoint. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss more coming up. We will. We'll hit some headlines as well. But right now, it's time to, to get weird. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Weird. Get weird. Weird. Get weird. All right, Davey Hudson, what do we have this week? Guys, we had an eventful week. And I'm going to start us off with some fun stuff. We have a woman who has ruined her mother's marriage. You might be surprised how this came about. Okay. This woman, Talia Madison, I just want to say that I make sure I do my research. She has an OnlyFans account, so we, we spare no expense here at Fox and Outkick. Made sure to go in, check everything out. Use your already it, active account. It, it all, it, it all, it all yeah. came back clean. But it turns out that Talia ended up having a subscriber that was kind of interesting in how the interactions were to happen. It turns out it was her stepdad. Well, her mom finds out about this. The divorce is no longer... Uh, it, it didn't make it through. It, it wasn't through, you know, thick and thin. It just, they, they kind of called it at that point. And I kind of wanted to get your guys' perspective on how you would view this situation. I mean, is it one of those that's just like divorce, like right off the bat? We're not even going to discuss the situation. I think it depends on the relationship, but uh, that's a tough one to come back from if your wife finds that you are a subscriber to your her daughter's OnlyFans account. Yeah. Your stepdaughter. I'd also need to know the extent of their relationship. There you go. Okay. Like, did he raise the daughter well, as a stepdaughter, or did they marry a year ago and she was already 25 years old? See, that is a when great they met question, and married, Chad. right? I mean, that, there's, knows. there's a level of like uh, almost in, incestuous behavior if you were around this girl when she was little See, that's, and you helped raise her. It's a very valid point, and yeah. I agree with you. Turns out, though, that this man has raised her since she was the age of 11. Okay, so, and he probably should be investigated by criminal authorities yeah, so in I, this case, and divorced, well. yes. But yeah, the, the divorce didn't happen. Talia took to TikTok to kind of describe the event and how that all went down. I'm not going to play it. It was very long, but it just goes to show that, yeah, it, it there's there's some some ways you can ruin a marriage faster than others. The moral of the story is if your stepdaughter has an OnlyFans account, don't subscribe to her OnlyFans yeah. channel. Subscribe to her friends. Yeah, just find out the friends that you're <laughs> into. That. All right. That's next, what you don't do. Next one we have, obviously, that was in Australia. We're going to come back to the U.S. We're going to go down to New Orleans. We have what I consider the world's worst bank robber, but I do have to appreciate the dedication. We got an old lady. I've already forgot her name. That's not important. We do have a picture of her. The thing is, she was robbing this bank in New Orleans while using a walker. Wow. She can't even escape. I mean, like, how, how do you even process this and think, and you know what? I'm definitely going to be able to get away in this situation that we have here. She hands the teller a note uh, that was on the screen basically saying, give me your money and your nobody will get hurt. Robbed, put your money in the bag or people are going to get hurt. 
And wow. It's, and it, she's, she has a walker. You might be Did surprised. She, she should have been better off like threatening. A, I don't want to give people ideas here, but with the walker, it's a bitty, it's a clunky walker. She could have threatened a, a, some sort of device could have. inside the walker. It's so big. It's like she's got carrying something in it if she really wanted to p- pose a threat. As uh, Kathy Lynn Hamilton, she was able to get $500 and then hit the road. As you might suspect, the cops were able to catch up with her very quickly. <laughs> so... Was she driving? Do we know? No, she was just like using the walker, walker. to get away. She this didn't even have a getaway plan. I, I'm, I'm all, no I'm all about like you shouldn't risk your life for some you know job where you're working as a teller or working behind the register anywhere. So you probably just give the the robber what they want. This is one where I'm all for that bank teller just saying, you know what? Not today, ma'am. No, I'm not going to give you anything, and you're not going to do anything about it. In fact, I'm pushing the red button right now in front of you, and the cops are on their way. This is one where I'd have been all for that. Any other time, I would say don't be a hero, give them money, then call the authorities and let them deal with it. This is a case of go ahead and get her caught right then and there and refuse to give her money. Yeah, Miss Kathy did try to rob another bank a couple of years back. Her getaway plan <laughs> that time was to use a bike. So obviously in better health at the time. So yeah. Bike versus Mobility's a little bit less a few years later. But either way, yeah, it's, it's, it's not looking good for her. There was a story. I, I don't have this one for today, but I remember I was like, are you just trying to like go to jail? Because this is a great way. There was a man in Kansas who robbed a bank, but he didn't actually rob it. What he did was he just said, like, I have a gun. Give me your money. And then he just waited for the cops to show up. And when they asked him why, he's like, I want to go to jail to get away from my wife. And I'm like, I, props to you, man. There's better ways just you can fake, go about fake it. Fake your death. But. Fake your own death. If you really want to get away from there your are, situation, just fake your own death. That's what you should attempt there are before getting arrested. People who don't want to get uh, paroled, they'd rather stay in jail. Yeah, wasn't it the um, oh gosh the uh, the lady from the the tiger the Tiger King thing? Carol Baskins didn't, didn't her husband possibly fake his own death? Nah, to leave that's, her? That, that that was just or according to her. That's what she was saying. Yeah. Don I, Lewis. I choose to believe that he successfully faked his own death. Davey, what else do you have for us? Yeah, our final story, guys. We're coming back to Tennessee. This one. Uh, We have an unconventional ingredient put on the salad uh, down in Newport, Tennessee. Oh, Gomer Sanderson. You get a picture of him here. You can tell he's been up. Gomer Sanderson? Yeah, he's been up to some shenanigans. Well, it turns out he sprinkled a little bit of meth on his girlfriend's salad, and she had to go to the hospital. Or as we call it, tweaking on the Tennessee trash. Um, (laughs) Look at old Gomer. Gomer Sanderson. Was he doing this, like, to to mess with her, like, uh, or, or to kill her? Oh, no, he just he's like, hey, let's have a little fun. Hey, <laughs> as, you, as you might guess, he was already high on meth. Of course meth. he was. Yeah. Uh, she, she did not appreciate it. She told the cops she did not do drugs. Secrets and in the sauce. So she ended up being rushed to the emergency Maybe room. Maybe it was She's a fine. hint that she should lose weight. <laughs> we got a story. Here, we got an extreme hint. Like, hey, oh. we're serving salad tonight. And on top of that, you're going to get a little bit of meth. Because I've heard meth kills your appetite. Yeah. Then you're not going to eat ever again, and then you're going to get skinny again. Maybe that's what he was telling his, his, uh, well, his girlfriend. While no one here condones the use of drugs in any form or fashion, I do think it is interesting that they chose salad versus a Big Mac. You know, It's like, we got to make sure we're healthy with this. Would you yep. have meth on your salad or your Big Mac? And yep. In this situation. All about, all about weight control. And I will say, I'm all for the justice system playing out. In most situations, but if your name is Gomer Sanderson, you did it. You are absolutely 100% guilty of whatever you've been charged with. You, if that comes across my docket and I'm a salad. judge and I see that face and I see the name Gomer Sanderson, I'm like, I don't need to hear arguments Rubber on stamp. either side. Send this guy to jail right now. He did it. Gomer. Gomer did it Gomer again. Gomer Sanderson. <laughs> 
better named Gregory, Gregory, or Gomer Sanderson? I'd be like, Gomer, you have been wreaking havoc on this community for years now. It's time that you go away for a while. Yeah, you'll be surprised. This wasn't his first offense. No. No. Not well, surprised nor, nor at his all. last. Nor his last. We won't be full of old Gomer. The same way we're not going to be full by John Moran again when it comes up. Coming up, new details in the Brett Favre scandal. Uh, plus, we will discuss the life and the career and legacy of Jim Brown. That's next on Hot Mike.